All right, guys, it's good to see you tonight. Can we give our seniors one more hand? Come on. Let's go. And there's more of them, okay? So next week we'll have five more seniors speak, and then the week after we'll have four more and a baby, hopefully. So be praying for Keaton and Sydney that the baby comes soon. All right, well, it's good to see you guys tonight. And if you're new, I want to say a special welcome to you. If you're returning, I'm glad you're back. All right, so almost five years ago, I got a call from the, the then state Kyle director here in Iowa, and his name is Pastor Drew, and he called me. I was living in Minnesota. I was a part of the team up there at the, at the University of Minnesota, and, and he called me and asked me if I would return to you and I to lead the Kyle here. So Dan talked about Alex Seaman. So um, at the time, Kyle was being run by Grace Community Church, and Alex Seaman was on staff there and kind of facilitated Kyle, but for the most part, Kyle was run by students. So student leaders who had been raised up in the couple years that I was here with the, or with the first pastor, I kind of uh, continued to lead the Chi Alpha. So imagine if this whole thing was student run, and then there was an adult in the back going, yeah, way to go. So that's kind of what it was like. And, uh, and Drew kind of brought me up to speed with the situation, and he told me that uh, the group was kind of struggling a bit, but because there's only so much you can do if you don't have a full-time worker. And Drew asked me if I would come back and kind of try to, uh, you know, get the group going again, so to speak. So... I came back in 2015, in the fall of 2015, because I was a student here prior. And, well, first I should say, after he asked me to come back, I, I prayed hard about it for about a night. And I knew that God wanted us to come back. So prayed hard, and the Lord spoke. And we came back in, in the fall of 2015, and we began to cast a vision that God wanted to reach all 12,000 students on our campus. And we got a ways to go, right? It's four years later. We got a lot of work to do. But... I got this vision that God wanted to reach our campus, and, and at the time, we had about 20 students in Chi Alpha, and, and very quickly, we saw the group grow to about 60 students, and in that year, we had people like Katie Kreck come in, and John Griffin, Marcus, Nick Behrens. It was a great year. It's pretty crazy now because they're giving their senior speeches, so it's like my first freshman class is graduating, so, uh, but anyways, God did some really incredible things, and he's done incredible things over the past four years as we've seen uh, just one example is we had a couple small group leaders who were students. I tried to rally some people in the community to come and help us and lead small group. But as far as like actual you and I students, that first year we had just a couple small group leaders. And now for next year, we're looking at like 26 small group leaders or something like that. So God has done something really incredible. But something I've realized over this year, over these four years, is if we're going to make a dent on this campus, if we're going to reach all 12,000 students, then we can't just have a couple paid full-time people be responsible for it, okay? So, you know, Salt probably has, like, eight staff members. Kyle has got, like, two right now. Basic's got, like, four. We can't just count on those paid staff members to reach the campus, okay? Paid people who are adults. Instead, what needs to happen is we need to raise up students from within the campus to go and to reach the campus. I've become increasingly convinced of this truth, that, that we can't delegate reaching this campus with the gospel of Jesus Christ to paid staff members. And if you're here last week, you saw that, or you heard that we're going to be taking over the UIU Chi Alpha, so Upper Iowa University, plus we're starting a Chi Alpha at, at Hawkeye Community College. Okay, so let's think about this. There's 12,000 students at UNI. There are 6,000 students at Hawkeye. There's about 1,000 students at Upper Iowa. If we want to reach these people, we can't just say, hey, like we're going to pay a couple people to do it, right? Instead, what needs to happen is God needs to sweep through our community sweep through our campuses, 
and raise up people who are willing to give it all to see their friends come to know Jesus. That's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm praying. I'm praying that, that God would raise up an army, that God would help us to go to the next level as a ministry. And the only way we can go there is if we raise up more people who take responsibility for the ministry. And if I'm honest, throughout these four years, there's been times as I have actually been pretty much the only staff member and we've had different people come on for seasons, but there's been times where I've been in these valley experiences where I've been like lonely and I've been sitting here like, God, can you please help me uh, to reach students? Can you please help me to pastor students? And it's incredible as next year, I'm not going to be doing it alone. Okay, so first of all, we got Derek who came on this year, which is great. It's my brother, okay, so it's kind of like a given. You can get your brother to come. But it's exciting. I'm so thankful for him. But it's exciting as, as, as next year we'll have three interns coming on the team, okay? So John, Casey, Marcus, I'll say this every week of the series probably. But, uh, and what's incredible is when Pastor Drew called me in 2014, all three of them were in high school, and they weren't really following Jesus, kind of, but not passionately. So just in four years, God has helped us to, to not only reach some people with the gospel, but raise them up, and now we're training them for ministry. And here's my dream for this campus. My dream is that, that there would be this continual process of not only raising up people to go into full-time ministry, but this process of raising up Christians to take responsibility for the kingdom and say, hey, I'm going to go and make disciples, all right? So that's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight as uh, we're going to uh, jump into part two of this uh, sermon series called, called uh, uh, We Can't Stay Here. So this series is all about this idea that if we want to do what God has called us to do on this campus, which is reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we can't grow complacent. Instead, we have to constantly be on the move. Let's be a people on the move, sharing the gospel, loving our campus, and discipling people, which uh, when I say uh, discipling people, it's it's simply teaching people how to follow Jesus. This whole series is about this idea that if we want to do this, we have to live with urgency. And it's based on the story in the Old Testament of the Israelites and how they took the promised land. So God had freed them from Egypt. They were in slavery in Egypt. And he called them to take possession of this place called the promised land and to start a kingdom there. And we're looking in, in the book of Deuteronomy. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It's like the fifth book of the Bible. And we're looking at this story and looking at how they took steps of faith to take the promised land and we're applying it to how we can take steps of faith to see our campus come to know Jesus. Because our promised land is not conquering and taking over land. Instead, our promised land is seeing all 12,000 students at least get an opportunity to respond to the love of God. Okay, we can't make anybody respond to the love of God. But our responsibility in our promised land is that each of us would take the gospel to as many students as possible. Okay, so just a little background about this particular story. Deuteronomy is a sermon that was preached by, preached by the prophet Moses to all of Israel sh uh, shortly before his death. And he's urging Israel, he's saying, be faithful to the laws that were given to you 40 years prior. At the time of Moses' uh, sermon, that we read in Deuteronomy, the Israelites are on the border of the promised land, and they're getting ready to take the land and fulfill what God had called them to do. But here's the thing. Forty years ago, they did the same thing. They had come to the promised land, and they were going to take it, but then they got scared, and they didn't take the promised land. So then God said, I'm going to judge you, and you're going to wander the wilderness for 40 years, and then I'll let your children take the promised land. So now they're back to the promised land, 
And Moses is saying, you screwed it up the first time, don't screw it up again. He's saying we have to be faithful to what God has called us to do so we can take the promised land. In chapter 1 here, we see that the prophet Moses is recounting their journey up until this point. And it was a long journey, like I said. They were in Egyptian captivity, and then they just wandered around for seven weeks until they came to this place called, this place called Mount Sinai, which is this picture here. No, it's actually not, but it's just a mountain. But Mount Sinai, they come to this place, and they encounter God, and they're given the laws, and they're told to love God with their whole heart. They have this intimacy with God on this mountain. But then Moses says, you can't stay at the mountain. Instead, now we have to go to the promised land. And like I said, they tried going once. It didn't work out, and they wandered for 40 years, and now they're trying to take it again. All right, so last week, we looked at the first eight verses of Deuteronomy 1, and I just want to read two of them. It says this in verse 6 and then verse 8. It says, the Lord our God said to us in Horeb that you have stayed long enough at this mountain. And see, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. And through this text, we saw that although God has not called us to take possession of a land, he has called us to reach the students of this campus, and to do so, we cannot stay in our comfort zone. We cannot stay on the mountain. So sometimes here at Kyle, there's mountaintop experiences, right? Like you encounter God in a cool way during worship. You're like, yeah, Jesus. But then you just want to stay there. But God calls you to go off the mountain and to go and reach your friends with the gospel. Every single one of us who are followers of Jesus are called to do that. So that's what we talked about last week. And now this week, we're going to talk about an important principle that we have to keep in mind as we try to reach this campus, okay? So it's not only living with a sense of urgency and saying we can't stay at the mountain, but also there's something else. So let's read. We're going to pick it up in verse 9 through verse 18, and we'll see another very important principle if we're going to reach this campus. It says, at the time I said to you that I'm not able to bear you by myself. Okay, so Moses is recounting something that happened in the past where he came to this point where he said, I can't do this on my own. I can't lead you on my own. He says, the Lord your God has multiplied you, and behold, you are today as numerous as the stars of heaven. And may the Lord, the God of your fathers, make you a thousand times as many as you are and bless you as he has promised you. And then again, he's like, how can I bear by myself the weight and the burden of you and your strife? Choose for your tribes wise, understanding, and experienced men, and I will appoint them as your heads. And you answered me, the Lord... Or the thing that you have spoken is good for us to do. So I took the head of your tribes, wise and experienced men, and I set them as heads over you, commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, commanders of fifties, commanders of tens, and officers throughout your tribes. And I charged your judges at the time, hear the cases between your brothers and judge righteously between a man and his brother of the alien or the alien who is with him. And you shall not, there shall not be partial in your judgment you shall hear the small and the great alike, and you shall not be intimidated by anyone, for the judgment is God's. In the case that is too hard for you, well, then you can bring it to me, and I'll hear it. And I commanded you at that time the things you should do. All right, so tonight's message is called the burden. Okay, the burden. Moses talks about this burden that he had, and his burden was that he was trying to lead a ton of people on his own, and he needed an army of leaders to rise up and help him lead the Israelite people. All right, so Let's pray, and then we'll jump into the teaching. All right, Jesus, we thank you for tonight. God, I thank you for these students. God, I pray that you'd raise up an army in this room. God, I pray that students would hear the call to be, or to, or to be not only your followers and your disciples, but also your disciple makers. God, I pray that they would go out to this campus and bring the love of Jesus with them. 
God, I pray that you would compel us to not stay in our seats, so to speak, to not stay on the mountain, but to go to people who need your love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. The first thing I want you to get from this text is this. God's dream is to fill the earth with disciples. This is the first thing we have to get. We have to get this idea that God wants to multiply his people. He wants this community to grow. That's why we're in this room, because there's a lot of seats up there, seats over there. We can take the ropes down. I'm just waiting for you. You can take the ropes on the sides. There are more people to reach. God wants to multiply his people. He never wants his people to stay stagnant. Instead, he wants them to multiply to help others follow him. And like I said, we have 12,000 students here. We have 6,000 at Hawkeye. We have 1,000 at Upper Iowa. There's also 3.1 million people in the state of Iowa. There's 327.2 million people in in the U.S. of A., and there's 7.53 billion people in the planet Earth, or on planet Earth. There's a lot of people out there, and God wants to reach them. God wants to use you to reach them. God wants to use me to reach them. There's 7.53 billion people who need, well, some of them are Christians, but there's a lot of those billions that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you may ask, how are we expected to care for all these people? There's billions of people. How can we care for them? Before Jesus left earth, he, he called us to this. He, he called us to make disciples of all nations, every nation. Jesus loves every nation. Jesus loves every race and ethnicity. He wants to see all kinds of people come to worship him. Heaven is going to be a place that is very diverse. As God is after every nation of the earth, there's no nation that is left. There's no nation that God doesn't care about. God has called us to make disciples of all nations. You know, Jesus said that. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. We are called to baptize people from every nation. We are called to disciple people from every nation. That's an even higher call than just trying to get people to pray a prayer and sit in a seat on a Tuesday night. So Jesus is not after getting all 7 billion people to pray a prayer of salvation. He's after you and me going and making disciples of the 7 billion people. There's a difference between just professing faith and being a disciple of Jesus. In the New Testament, what we see is that those who followed Jesus had to count a cost. They couldn't just follow him passively and sit in a seat once a week and then go home and live their life the same way. If they followed Jesus, they were putting a target on their back because the culture around them was opposed to the movement of Jesus, and they would be killed for their faith. In order to be a Christian in the first century, you had to be a disciple. You couldn't just pray a prayer and then, and then just live the same way. You had to be all in. So Jesus has not called us just to get people to pray a prayer, but he's called us to raise up disciples. In Deuteronomy 1, 10 11, he says this. He says, the Lord your God has multiplied you And behold, you are today as numerous as the stars of heaven. And may the Lord, the God of your fathers, make you a thousand times as many as you are and bless you as he has promised you. So so when Moses says this, he's pointing to a promise that God gave Abraham. And Abraham was like the father of the Israelite people, the first Israelite. Okay, He had a lot of kids, had a lot of kids, had a lot of kids to become the Israelites. And God gave Abraham a, a promise in Genesis chapter 15. He said this, he said, and he brought him outside And he said, look towards heaven and number the stars. If you are able 
to number them. And then he said, said, so shall your offspring be. I believe that God wants us to go outside tonight, look at the stars, and believe the promise that the offspring of Chi Alpha are going to be more numerous than that. I believe he wants to send you out, not just to be a Christian, not just to get into heaven, but to send you out to go and help people follow Jesus. And as you help people follow Jesus, who then go and help people follow Jesus, who then go and help, follow, help people follow Jesus, at some point your offspring will be more numerous than the stars. That's what God's called us to. He's called us to be a continuation of this promise. As, as anyone who professes faith in Jesus becomes a son or daughter of Abraham by faith. So you are a son or daughter of Abraham if you're a Christian. And he's called you to continue this process of multiplying the kingdom. And so tonight, I just want you, the first thing I want you to get is the simple point that God wants to fill the earth with disciples. God is after people. God loves people. He's, God is never not going to be about people. And he's never going to let us off the hook with going and reaching people with the gospel. The second point, God's dream for kingdom multiplication is too hard for us. It's too much for us to handle. This is the second thing we need to get. God has a big dream for kingdom multiplication, but we can't handle it on our own. Deuteronomy 1, 9 and 12 says, At the time I said to you that I'm not able to bear you by myself, how can I bear by myself the weight and the burden of you and your strife? So Moses had just got done telling them that it was time to take the promised land. However, he knew that if he was going to go the distance as their leader, if he was going to be their leader long term, if they were going to realize their full potential as a community, then he needed to raise up more leaders. There's another telling of the story in the book of Exodus. Sometimes the Bible does that where it will tell a story twice. And it says it this way in Exodus 18. It says, the next day Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. So imagine that, like you introverts. And Moses seemed like an introvert to me, but people are just around you all day long asking you questions. And then Moses father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, and he said, what it is that you are doing for the people? He says, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? And all the people stand around you. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God, and when they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said, what you are doing is not good. He said, you and the people will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you, and you're not able to do it alone. Guys, we need to heed what Jethro said to Moses. One person carrying the weight of the kingdom of God is never good. God has not called pastors to be the only ones that are going out or small group leaders or whatever. He's not, or God's plan was not to designate ministry to a few paid workers. Instead, God wants to raise up everyday disciples to go and take leadership. Just like Moses, we must come to a realization as a community and as a movement that if we're going to connect the people to God that we want to, all the people we want to reach, if we want to help people inquire of God just like Moses did, then the burden of the kingdom cannot fall on a couple people. One person cannot bear the weight of multiplication. Instead, we need laborers who can go and reap the harvest, and we need an army. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 38, Jesus says this, it says, then he said to his disciples that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus is saying that there's a harvest out there of people who would profess faith in Jesus 
if we would only go and be laborers and bring them the gospel. But the laborers are few. The Christians are many, but the laborers are few. The harvest is greater than the laborers. The harvest is greater than one person's ability. That's why Jesus knew that if we were going to reach the harvest, we had to pray for more laborers. And notice, he didn't ask them to pray for more people in the harvest. He's saying there's enough people in the harvest. There's enough people who will put their faith in Jesus if you go to them. Instead, he says, pray for more laborers because there's not enough laborers to go out into the harvest field. There are unreached people groups all around the world, and they have no missionaries. There's no one willing to go to them. And God may be calling you to go to them. God may be calling some of you to go and give your life to reach unreached people groups that have never heard the gospel, that have never seen a Bible. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The Christians who are willing to count the cost of discipleship are few. Guys, we need laborers in this place. We need laborers. We need to make a decision as a ministry that each of us are in the business of raising up more laborers, of praying for them and raising them up and calling people to God's dream for their life, which is to be a kingdom laborer who lays it all out there for him. God has not called you to be a Christian who sits in a seat once a week. He has called you to be a laborer for the kingdom of God. He's called you to be a part of the greatest story that's ever been told, to be a part of the rescue mission to save the earth. That's better than the Avengers Endgame. Come on. You are called to be an Avenger. Like you watch those movies, you're like, oh, wow, that'd be so cool to be a superhero. God's called you to be like that, to go and save the earth. Come on, we have the best call in the world. But so many of us are caught up in trivial pursuits, and we're missing the call of God. I'm not saying you need to go into full-time ministry. What I'm saying is you need to view every day as an opportunity to bring people the gospel and to teach people how to follow Jesus. The job is too big for just one person. The, the job is too big for one campus ministry. That's why we need all the campus ministries on campus. I thank God for Salt and for Basic and for the River. We need more than just one campus ministry. The job is too big. Let's be a people who are about solving this problem of not having enough laborers. Verse 13 through 18, this is the solution. I've already kind of gotten to it, but I'll, I'll read it anyways. You know, Moses says, Choose for your tribes wise, understanding, and experienced men, and I will appoint them as your heads. I'm not going to read the rest of it. That's all I'm going to read. You get the idea. Okay, so the third point is this. In order to reap the harvest that God has prepared for us, we must be in the business of raising up laborers. The only way we can steward the multiplication that God wants to give us is by having a process of continually calling people to be laborers. Every person who puts their faith in Christ in this room automatically gets put in a process of where we're trying to raise them up to be laborers and we'll never apologize for that. Every single follower of Jesus is called to get in the game. Nobody's called to be a spectator. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, Paul said this to Timothy. He said, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men and women, I'll add women because he meant both, who will be able to teach others also. Guys, this is what we're about. Continually entrusting people who can go and teach others also. So how do we do this? This sounds hard. This doesn't sound as easy as I'd like it to be. And it is really hard. Let's tell you that. Raising up laborers is hard. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 13. We just read it. This is what Moses said. He says, choose, choose wise, understanding, and experienced men. So Moses was 
instructed to appoint people as heads over different chunks of people. So some of them he said thousands and hundreds and fifties and something else. Uh, Jethro said it this way in Exodus chapter 18. He said, he said, Moses, go and look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. There you go. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, and every small matter they shall decide between themselves. So it will be easier for you, and that they will bear the burden with you. It's way more fun to bear a burden together than by yourself, right? If you do this, God will direct you, and you'll be able to endure. And all this people also will go to their place in peace. And so we see that Moses was instructed to choose wise, understanding, experienced men. And then also in Exodus, we see men who fear God, men who are trustworthy, and hate a bribe. If we want to reach this campus, if we want to reach Upper Iowa University, if we, if we want to reach Hawkeye Community College, if we want to reach the state, if we want to reach the United States, if we want to reach the world, then we have to get working on both being ourselves, okay, so first us being wise, experienced, trustworthy, men and women who fear God, but then also raising up people who do this. We cannot just be after getting people to pray a prayer and then saying, okay, you're in heaven, great. Instead, we need to raise up people to love God with everything they have and to love others even more than they love themselves and to make disciples of all nations and make disciples of all nations. The only way we can steward the harvest that I believe God wants to give us is if we are continually raising up strong men and women of God. Bill Johnson said it this way. He's a pastor of a large church in California. He said this. He says, he says we want to build big people and not a big ministry. And if we build big people, I'll say this, if we build big people, I really think we'll grow into a big ministry. And so let me illustrate this quickly by comparing two strategies of ministry. If you took Elevate, you've heard this, so just listen again because it's good stuff. Uh, and so one strategy of ministry is to have a dynamic leader. There's one leader, and this person's job is to go and get people to pray prayers of salvation and to become Christians, which is, you know, that's good. But another strategy is to start with one person who spends all their time with like five people and then teaches them to go and reach five more people each who then go and reach five more people each, okay? So the super evangelist, as I'll call him, or, or dynamic leader, is reaching 365,000 people a year because he preaches incredible messages. He helps people, you know, come to faith in Christ. The faithful disciple reaches five, who reaches five, who reaches five. And, and let's look at this here. So year one, we see... The super evangelist has reached 365,000 people. The faithful discipler, well, he's reached five, and we'll give him credit for himself, so there's six. And then year five, if you continue this process, you see the uh, disparity here as there's still 1,825,000 who have been reached by the super evangelist, and there's only 3,750 who have been reached by the faithful discipler. But then year 10 is where we see it change. The super evangelist has reached 3,650,000 people, and the faithful disciple has reached 11,718,750 people. The point is, is we're not playing the short-term game, okay? We're trying, 10 years from now, we want to see this family grow and grow and grow all across the earth because people are going and helping people follow Jesus who are helping people follow Jesus who are helping people follow Jesus. Guys, my goal is not to gather a crowd here and just get people to pray a prayer and then never learn how to make other disciples. Instead, my goal to equip you to make disciples who can make disciples. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Are you tracking with me tonight? That's our goal. That's why we have small groups. That's why we spend time with people who want to grow. That's why we spend most of our time with those people because we want to teach them how to go and then reach other people because we believe it, that if we build strong people, we will reach a lot of people. 
But if we're just focused on getting a lot of people in this room, but we're not building strong people, then we're not going to have as big of an impact as God has called us to. God can do more with five kingdom laborers than he can with 365,000 365, converts. I really believe that. Five laborers has way more weight than 365,000 converts who sit in a seat. All right, so how does this apply to us as a ministry? All right, the first thing is this. I have a couple of things how it applies to us. First thing is we proclaim the gospel to anyone who will listen. Just before Jesus urged us to pray for more laborers, he was ministering to the crowd. So Jesus cared about the crowds, okay? Jesus cared about those 365,000 people. It says this in, in verse 35. It says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, this is what happened in the heart of God, in the heart of Jesus. And I want to ask you, as you walk by the union and you see crowds of people on this campus, does this happen to your heart? I pray that it would. I pray that it happened to my heart. It says this. He says, He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus was passionate about meeting the needs of people. Jesus loves people. He was constantly on the move, teaching and preaching and healing. He had compassion for people who didn't know him yet. And he didn't even stay in one place for too long during his time because he only had three years and he wanted to get to as many people as possible. So like Jesus, we must be a community that is after these hearts. We must be a community who is compassionate and constantly trying to bring more people into the kingdom. And we must be a community who is about evangelism, because evangelism is this idea of getting people to put their faith in Christ. I'm telling you, there are people that are sitting next to you in your classes, people who are sitting next to you in the union, people that, or people that work with you, who if you would share the love of God with them, they would respond, and they would put their faith in him. And God is always going to call us to be people are about those people, people who are constantly on the move, inviting people into relationship with God. The second application point is this. We focus not just on converts, but on raising up disciples, as I've made that point already tonight. Although we want to be all about preaching the gospel and meeting needs and inviting more people into the kingdom, we have to focus, focus most of our efforts on building up disciples. And we will always call people to take up their cross and not just sit in a seat. And we know we won't change the world by just getting people to pray a prayer, but instead we'll change the world by teaching people to obey Christ who can then go teach others to obey Christ. Although Jesus spent a lot of time with the crowds, he spent most of his time with three men, Peter, James, and John, his best friends. And he poured his life into them because he knew that if he could raise them up to be strong and to be disciple makers, that they could go and reach more people who reach more people. So as a ministry, we want to be like Jesus and build strong people, spend time with the same people over and over again, but at the same time, we're loving the crowds. Dr. Robert Coleman said it this way. He said, his concern was not with programs to reach the multitudes, but with men whom the multitudes would follow. I want you to be worth following. We're going to reach this campus. You need to be worth following. The third application point is this. We empower people to carry out the work of the ministry. As a ministry, we made a commitment from the very beginning to not leave the work of the ministry to paid staff, but instead to empower others to do the work of the ministry, to empower the students to do the work of the ministry. And this follows the model of Jesus. And in Luke chapter 10, he sent people out two by two to go and preach the gospel. So you think about the way we do small groups here at Chi Alpha. 
we send out small group leaders, typically two by two, sometimes three, but typically two by two, to dorms all across this campus to plant the flag of Christ in those dorms and to be a representation of the kingdom of God in those dorms every Wednesday or Thursday night. That's why we're about doing that, because we believe that if we're going to reach our campus, we have to send people out to reach our campus. We can't do it on our own. So as a ministry, we made a commitment to empower small group leaders to be the pastors of their small groups. I really believe that if you're in a small group, your primary pastor is your small group leader. I'm also your pastor because I love you and I want to help shepherd you too. But your small group leader is your primary shepherd and pastor because pastor means shepherd, right? And shepherd carries this imagery of taking care of sheep, okay? In the first century, in Jesus' context, shepherds were a big deal. They had their little staff. They take care of the sheep and they try to keep them in the pen. And if one ran off, they chase after them. That's what your small group leader is. And that's why your small group leader texts you all the time. Some of you get so annoyed. You're like, will you just leave me alone for a week? Will you stop texting me? I'm ignoring you. There's been 10 texts and I haven't responded. Why are you still texting me? It's because they're your shepherd. And if you're a lost sheep, they're going to chase after you and they're going to fight for you. And then when you come back, they're going to feed you. They're going to give you the word of God. God has called us to raise up shepherds to send out to this campus because we can't do it on our own, right? All right, the fourth thing is we call everybody to make disciples. So maybe you're thinking, all right, my small group leader, he's the shepherd or she's the shepherd. I don't have to do anything. No, every single small group member should also be about going and reaching other people. How many of you have invited someone to small group this year? Don't raise your hand. I asked you this question last week. If you didn't invite someone last week, if you listened to my messages, because I challenged you last week, do it this week. Invite someone to small group. It's not your small group leader's job to bring everyone to your small group. Instead, your small group leader is trusting you to help them, to help you, or to help them reach the dorm that you're trying to reach or to reach the people you're trying to reach. Everyone is called to make disciples. So maybe you just started following Jesus and you're like, how can I make disciples? I don't even really know how to follow Jesus myself. Here's my advice. Go and find someone who's just a little bit further behind you, like maybe someone who, who became a Christian one day after you. Say, I'm going to help you. Okay, and they can find someone who just got saved like a minute ago. All right? It's this process of people pouring into people who pour into people. Everybody is called to make disciples. All right, and that leads me to this. How does this apply to you? And then we're going to be done. First thing, and I think you've gotten this already in the message, but the first thing is you have to commit to becoming a laborer and not a spectator. God has not called you to be a spectator. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're part of Chi Alpha, I'm glad you're here. Be part of our community. And don't be afraid to jump in and serve. I don't care if you haven't professed faith in Christ yet. You can serve on the Connect team. You can welcome people. Jump in the game. If you're a follower of Jesus but not a small group leader, I encourage you to remember what I just said. And that's it. And that's that you're called to make disciples. You don't need a title to do that. Come alongside your small group leader and ask your small group leader how you can help them. Second thing is this. This is how this applies to you. Each of us must commit to being someone worth following. Can you be entrusted to teach other people, as Paul talks about in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2? Are you one of the wise, understanding, experienced men or women that is talked about in Deuteronomy chapter 1? If you're not, strive for that. All of us should strive to be wise, experienced, understanding people who can go and help others. So what does this look like? It looks like spending time with Jesus every day. It looks like loving him with your whole heart. It looks like loving people and investing in other people. It looks like working on your character and making sure that you're a person of character. It looks like being the same person 
with your friends who don't follow Jesus as you are at Chi Alpha. If you change when you come to this room, there's a problem with that. Instead, be a light in your groups on campus. Be a beaming light of hope that points to Christ wherever you are. Do not change depending upon where you're at. But be a person of character and be the same person out there as you are in here. Be the same person in your room alone at night as you are in here. Be a person of integrity. All right, the last thing is this. Apply this to your life in this way. Make a commitment to laying down your life for others. Make a commitment to do whatever it takes to love Christ and to help others do the same. Preaching the gospel is not just something I do on Tuesday nights. Every day you're preaching the gospel through the way you live on campus, through the way you love, through the things you say, through the things you say about Jesus. Every moment is an opportunity to preach the gospel. There's a chance you may be the only Bible that anyone reads on this campus as they watch you and see how you live your life. Commit to being a good representation of Jesus on the campus. Commit to pouring yourselves out for the students on this campus. And always be vigorously looking for people to disciple. Like Jesus, go throughout all the cities and villages teaching and proclaiming and healing. Every class, view it as an opportunity to encourage someone. It doesn't have to even be about Jesus. Just encourage them. Be a friend. Always be looking for potential new best friends. And as you do this, I promise you'll find people to disciple. But it starts with going and finding the lost sheep on this campus through going and loving your neighbor. And then as they want to follow Christ, then you teach them how to do that. All right, if the band would come up. The main idea tonight is this. And if this doesn't get you excited, I don't know what does, okay? So just get ready. It should get you excited. It's priority up there. But it's this. The great harvest that God is bringing to our community demands that we raise up an army of laborers. Some of you, you came in here tonight, and you've been laboring for the kingdom already. You're saying, Daniel, will you just shut up? I've worked very hard this year, and I'm trying to labor, and it's not working out very well for me. Maybe you came in tonight and that's you and you feel like you haven't had very much fruit as you've tried to reach out to people and, and be a light on the campus. And I want to encourage you tonight that I think the Spirit wants to say this to you. I think he wants to say that he sees your heart, he sees your efforts, and he sees this, the seeds that you've planted this year, and they will grow in due time. If you planted a lot of seeds this year for the gospel and you haven't seen a lot of fruit, just remember life is long, Okay? There's times where we'll have students come in here their freshman year, and then we don't see them again until their senior year. Sometimes things just take time. So if you're a kingdom laborer already, keep doing it. Stick with it. God honors long-term obedience, okay? If you're here tonight and you're a follower of Jesus or a disciple of Jesus, however you want to say it, but if you're honest, you haven't been actually laboring for the kingdom or making disciples, I want to challenge you to... Get your head in the game. Get your, get, your, get your head in the game. Okay, I'm glad some of you got the reference. All right. Don't be a spectator. We need you. The kingdom needs you. God wants to use you. Time is too short for you to get caught up in just playing video games every night. Time is too short. Time is too short. And for those of you seniors that are leaving this place in a few weeks, I encourage you to continue making disciples who make disciples. 
just saying, guys, time is too short to get caught up in all these other things. How much money can I make? Can I find a really attractive spouse, which isn't a bad thing, but and getting caught up with all these things. What job can I get? How much prestige can I get in this world when there's people all around you who need the love of God, who need the hope of the gospel? And God has called you to be a laborer. He's not called you to be a spectator. There are no spectators in Christianity, or at least there's not supposed to be. So tonight I want to urge you to get in the game. And finally, if you came in here tonight, and you came on a night when we're talking about making disciples, and you're not a disciple yet, and you're like, I don't even know Jesus. He's telling me to help people follow Jesus. I don't know how to do that because I don't know how to follow Jesus myself. I want to encourage you that I believe that God brought you here tonight because he loves you. And maybe someone invited you because they love you. And I believe that God wants to save you tonight. I believe that God wants to give you hope. As Emily was talking about, God wants to give you a drink of cold water. God wants to fill that hole in your heart. And the way that that's possible is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came out of heaven and he lived a perfect life and he never sinned once. And then he died a sinner's death on a cross, which we're celebrating this weekend with Easter. And when he died on that cross, he paid the penalty for all your sins. So the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved, we'll be forgiven. And when God looks at you, he won't see your sin, he won't see your junk, but instead he'll see Jesus who laid it all out for you. Not only that, but then Jesus rose from the grave. And he made it possible for each of us to have eternal life and have relationship with God. So tonight, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to urge you to jump in the family. God is inviting you into the family tonight through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to give you an opportunity to do that tonight. And there's no one looking around, okay? If you're here tonight and you want to put your faith in Christ, if you want to experience salvation, if you want to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what I'm going to do, the way we do this in Chi Alpha, is I count to three and then you just slip up your hand. It's kind of a signal. It's the way that you confess that Jesus is Lord. And the Bible says if you do that, if you put your faith in Jesus, you'll be saved. So I'm going to count to three. And when I do, if you want to be saved, put your hand up. One, two, three. Put your hands up all across this room. See that hand? I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there anyone else in this room? See that hand? All right, put your hands down. So now I'm just going to pray a simple prayer of faith. That's what's beautiful about Christianity. There's nothing special you have to do. You just have to put your trust in Jesus. It's like you're throwing all your hope in him and saying, Jesus, you're all I got. Okay, so I'm going to pray that, God, tonight we come to you humbly saying, God, that each of us have messed up. We've fallen short. We've sinned. And God, we want to have right relationship with you. So Jesus, tonight, we confess that you are Lord. And we believe in our hearts that you were raised from the dead, just as we're going to celebrate this weekend. God, I pray that for those who raise their hand, that you would bring them into the family of God tonight, that you would call them sons and call them daughters. God, I pray that you would adopt them and bring them into your family. We thank you, Jesus. All right, if you'd stand with me, I have one more way to respond tonight. For each one of you, and for me, for all of us who have put our faith in Christ, God is calling us to make a commitment to not be spectators, but to be laborers for the kingdom. And tonight, I believe that God wants an army to rise up. I just believe that. I believe that God wants to raise up people to say, I'm going to give my life to see the nations come to know Jesus. And it starts right here on this campus. It starts at Hawkeye Community College. It starts at Upper Iowa University all the way up in Fayette. 
I believe that God is calling us to make a commitment to saying, I'm not going to take the easy road. Instead, I'm going to take up my cross and follow Jesus and help others to do the same. So if you want to make a commitment to do that, can you raise your hands to heaven? We're going to sing a song. And in your heart, I pray that as you worship, that you would just tell Jesus, I want to be used by you to help others follow you. All right, let's do this.